Welcome to Bootstrappers, a program designed to bring you up-to-the-minute ideas and concepts to understand what it takes to succeed in business and life. Each week, we'll bring you guests and ideas you can't find anywhere else. Bootstrappers is a production of Anaquim LLC. Now strap on those business boots and join Bootstrappers with Jeremy and Gwen Aspen. All right, American entrepreneurs. <laughs> this is uh, this is Bootstrappers, and I am Jeremy Aspen, the president of Wistar Group. It's a property management firm in Omaha, Nebraska. And uh, my wife, Gwen, Gwen Aspen. Hi. She's the president uh, of Anaquim LLC in the United States, and uh, we're today we've got a guest. He's a friend of mine, been a friend of mine for several years now, Chris Mangan. He's the Yeah, Chris is the, uh, he's a local. He's here in Omaha, Nebraska with us. He's, now, this is going to be a little complicated because Chris has a history. He's was president and owner of Paul Davis Restoration Omaha. Correct. Is president of Paul Davis, Sioux City, right? So far, so good. Okay. And he also does a bunch of side hustles helping other companies get better. He's had some success in industry, and now he's, and especially I think uh, what he's known for in our circles around town is his leadership, his discipline. He's read every single book. He's read. He's read just about like any every a couple, book. Just a couple uh, books. If you give him books, I'm business. He's happy to read them, and uh, he has takeaways. He's always always looking for takeaways. He's he's curious. Yeah, Very he's curious. curious. And, and also, he's helped us with some of our meetings and some of our strategic planning at Wistar Group. So we've actually utilized his services firsthand. Yeah, so Chris is, uh, and also we got to do a full disclosure thing because Chris is a friend of mine. We're also, we're in an entrepreneur's organization together. So you know each other's secrets. So we know know each other's (laughs) secrets. Um, And uh, and anyway, so we we brought him in today. and, and, And like I just mentioned, Chris is very good at leadership. And so, Chris, I, I kind of wanted to kick things off um, a scenario. So, and maybe we can talk about this in the next segment. But um, so it's a small company, which is probably the majority of our listenership. And, you know, when they're starting off, especially there's few employees. Maybe some of these employees aren't, um, maybe, maybe as the owner, you don't feel like they're necessarily paid what they deserve and they're kind of in this endeavor with you right um but accountability Uh, how do you take somebody that dynamic uh and still hold them accountable because you feel like you owe them like this is my experience and some of my friends experiences where you kind of feel like wow you're almost lucky to have them on board with you and 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 still hold them accountable I mean, that's a real life scenario, or is it just me? No, it's a real life scenario. It happens, right? I, I have the same situation with my kids at home. Okay, you right, right, right. With your kids, <laughs> uh, but that that speaks to uh, leadership. I believe leadership, first of all, uh, is it works everywhere. It's not just about business. It's about your personal life. Uh, it's about your family life, and uh, accountability can can accentuate all those parts of your life. Uh, done appropriately. And I know accountability sometimes is looked upon as sometimes as a four word, four letter word, but really uh, if if it's if it's worked appropriately, it's a very positive part of people's lives. 
And I think that's the problem uh, with in, with business and personal life is when uh, we set goals or we set expectations and they're not your expectations, they're somebody else's expectations, that's when the accountability starts to not work and and it's, it falls apart. And I think that's kind of where accountability kind of, kind of got its it, the bad rap that it has because we always look at ourselves being accountable to somebody else. And really what leadership is is being accountable to you and creating a dynamic to where your goals are set. And if we can, if we can do that, then holding each other accountable becomes kind of fun because if I've got a goal – it's really difficult for me, along with just about anybody else, to hit my goals by myself. I, it's right. ju- I, I'm human. <laughs> I have a tendency to fall back. And uh, that's where if we've got people around us who really love us and care for us, and we ask them to help us reach our goals, they're my goals. They're not your goals. And if I reach out to you, Jeremy, and I say, hey, I got this goal I'm struggling with a little bit. I could use your help, Jeremy. What are you going to say? Yep. Yep. You're going to you're going to want to help me because well, that's what that's what peers and friends and family do for each other. We want to help each other. But let's make this a little bit more real world. So let's say I have a property management company and I have <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> and let's say I have a maintenance guy and he works his butt off every single day of the week, Monday through Friday. Uh, and then, and let's also surmise that maintenance people are really hard to find. Good ones are. And then I say, oh, but can you just be on call like every weekend? And then he knows that you're not going to fire him because, Uh. (laughs) because you don't have anyone else and he does a good job Monday through Friday. How are you holding this person accountable for Saturday and Sunday? Well, like that's real world. That's real right? world. That's, that's real, world. real world. You've had and that. You, oh, you caught me off guard on that one, Gwen. So, <laughs> get, can we go to a commercial here? I mean, give me a second. Um, I've never seen that. <laughs> <laughs> so, actually, in restoration, I had a very similar situation. When I started my own company, I was then on call, on call person for the first three years of running my operation. Right. And then when I brought people on, um, I had to. Um, I was. I didn't have the leverage that I had when I had a company of 65 people. I, it was me. And so I was beholden to them. And what I found worked best is showing them that I cared. And if I showed them that I cared, then they felt engaged and they felt, um, they felt needed. And people have a, have a, you know, a root desire in their lives to feel needed. And if, if you can help them feel needed by showing that you care, the motivation level goes up commensurately. And, and, the, and, and the counter is also true. If you show them that you don't care and you call them up on that weekend, there's a really good chance they're going to reflect the fact that you don't care with them not caring. And so I think it really starts with caring. But the second part is, is there's time, there are times in businesses when um, you can't hit your margin. And so in order to reach your long-term goals, there there are times when immediate sacrifice needs to happen. And that's done financially, unfortunately, with entrepreneurs. Mm. And being able to navigate when to 
take a cut in your in your budget or take a cut in your margin uh, is somewhat of an art uh, as opposed to a book that says here's what you do relative to margin in each one of these circumstances uh, an entrepreneur understands that on that weekend when you need that person and you're looking for margin you're not probably not going to get it so give that margin to the person along with the so the, the words that you show you care with are backed up financially with the financial reward so that the message resonates if you try and do one without the other good luck it's not going to happen because people understand that talking is talking and walking is walking and if they aren't aligned that person I don't care what education level they're at, they get it. So you've got to back up your talk of caring with your walk of financial uh, reward so that they're motivated and remain motivated. And then there's times when you can expand your margin through regular work hours, through rates increased over time with customers, and you, over time, gain that margin back. See, Gwen, I told you this would not be a waste of our time. <laughs> all right. <laughs> uh, all right. So um, uh, we're going to take a real quick commercial break. Bootstrappers, of course, is brought to you by Anaquim, your partner in property management services and remote assistance from Mexico to office support services like accounting and 24-7 call center rent manager clients. Um, Anaquim has you covered for all your property management office needs. And we'll be right back. All right, welcome back. This is Jeremy Aspen with my lovely and brilliant wife, Gwen Aspen. And um, this is Bootstrappers. Our guest today is Chris Mangan. He is uh, an entrepreneur, uh, been doing uh, his own thing for decades. I don't think that's unfair to say. It's been decades. About 35 years. Several decades, more than I even thought. (laughs) (laughs) You just look so young. Uh, So Bootstrap, we're here... Our conversations we, we try to do here in Bootstrappers is bring in interesting guests, guests that can help us as our entrepreneurs understand one that we're not alone. These things that 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 we're learning about or experiences that I think most entrepreneurs I know have it. So it's one we want to make sure uh, you're not alone, and also to discover ways that we can all tease out valuable information to help make our businesses better than they are today. And it's, uh, it's, it's advice, it's information like what Chris just gave us in the last segment. Um, so, Chris, you, during in, in the last segment, you mentioned, uh, actually, tell us a little bit about you, your family, all that stuff. We need, we, we need to get that in here. All right. So, um, I was born in Omaha uh, 57 years ago, and I've lived in Omaha ever since, except for my... Um, extended stay in Lincoln as a semi-professional <laughs> student for five and a half years. So uh, I actually live a block from where I grew up. So I consider myself a true Omaha homeboy. So that's uh, my geographical uh, background. Um, I was born, I have uh, six siblings, uh, all grew up in Omaha. I got married um, when I was 40 years old. I have three kids, a 17, 16, and 15-year-old who uh, go to high school here in Omaha. And uh, I started a company called Paul Davis uh, back when I was 23 years old. Hmm. And so um, 
and then I started a couple other businesses along the way, and I've sold those, and actually one went out of business. Um, so I've, I've gone through that, mm-hmm. uh, which was a real life lesson. Very painful. And uh, I currently have one business, uh, Sioux City, Paul Davis, and then I do some consulting on leadership development and accountability, and I have some real estate here in Omaha that I uh, that I manage. So, Well, I just want to talk about the consulting that you've done at our property management company, Wistar Group. Um, so we've been in business for a long time, and we kind of just needed a reset with our meeting structure. We use the level 10 or the traction model, which a lot of entrepreneurs do. But we were getting a little comfortable, maybe not holding each other accountable so much. So when you're working with companies like that, what, what's the typical reason why a company might have a consultant come in? Or, or yeah, or what is it that you discover when you go in and do some of these consulting gigs? Like, are there a couple main things that pop out? Well, yeah, there's, there's, there's a couple um, <laughs> <laughs> that, that pop out. Um, you know, and there's all types of, of leaders and entrepreneurs out there, and there's there's all types of uh, success. So one of the mantras that I've developed um, over the years is uh, there's more than one right way. So there's a lot of right ways to run a meeting. There's a lot of right ways to run a business. Um, I would say the my experience is that uh, the entrepreneurs have a tendency uh, to have strengths in some areas and not so many strengths in others. Most entrepreneurs are relatively well-rounded, and so they have a tendency when I come in to be doing a lot of things and wearing a lot of hats. And the goal um, many times is to figure out what hat is most appropriate for them to wear and then help them do the same with their team. In so in the operational? Operationally, uh, leadership-wise. And so the, the goal is, uh, you know, to uh, Jim Collins would say, get the right people in the right seat. So many entrepreneurs think that's only true of the people that work for them, and it's not. It's actually true for them as well. Mm. And so when I come into an organization, a lot of times the leader of the organization thinks because they're the leader of the organization, they should be doing certain things and uh, they should, but they (laughs) want them to do certain things that they're, that they're good at and that they like so that they're happy doing it. Which could that maybe not include a leadership role? You can own a business, yes. but I don't know if that necessarily means you're an appropriate person to lead. So it, it, it's a great question, Jeremy. And and so uh, so many small businesses hit with a you know what what is known as, and I don't know who who, who came up with this term, but everybody seems to know uh, what it means is the glass ceiling. Is they their 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 business reaches a plateau and they can't mm-hmm. they can't get through that plateau. And so many times, we, we're in Western culture, we're an out, outward-looking culture, and we look for all the reasons outside as to why we've hit our glass ceiling rather than looking inward. And so many times, the reason why the businesses hit their glass ceiling is because of the owner, the entrepreneur. And, it's, and a lot of times, it's directly related to them wearing 
the the hats the wrong way. So wearing the hats the wrong way. Okay. So Chris, is it part of your job as a consultant to to say this is where you excel and stop doing <laughs> X, Y, and Z? Is that what you're telling us right now? Is that sometimes people need someone to come in and say you're so good at this and you kind of suck at this and this and this and so stop doing that <laughs> well i try never to I, <laughs> I, one of the things i've learned in my Not, life don't call so me idiots. Are, it's really interesting because one of the biggest weaknesses in my life is me telling people i've told people my whole life and it wasn't till probably you know part of the EO experience, and I, I'll probably refer to that several times throughout the conversation, is learning from other leaders on on better ways to communicate. And so one of my goals in, in communicating is to n- never tell. I try never to tell. So, it, and, and the key to never telling, helping people realize the answer for themselves is when they when they answer it for themselves, over time, it becomes more compelling to them, and they understand it, and they're willing to be motivated to go in that direction. Versus when I tell them to do something, I'm not the most motivational guy. And so the, there's a disconnect. And a lot of times I actually want to push back. And I don't think I'm a lot different than a lot of other people. So telling has, has some real risk, especially with an independent business owner who's used to doing things their way. So it's not very compelling when I tell them that they're doing things wrong. So the, my goal is to ask questions mm. and have them answer the questions for themselves so that they can see where there's opportunity for them. I am Jeremy Aspen. This is my wife, Gwen Aspen. Chris Mangan here from, uh, he's uh, president of Paul Davis, and we're having a discussion about leadership today. So, Gestalt, is that kind of an approach you also take a take away from EO that you might uh, approach? Just so everyone knows, EO is Entrepreneurs Organization. And Gestalt is a way <laughs> of giving advice, not giving advice, giving ex- it's an experience sharing exercise to not specifically not to give advice. Right. So um, the other part of Gestalt is asking questions. And if you ask uh, the right questions to in the right way, in the right situation, most people who are somewhat self-actualized and most entrepreneurs have a level of self-actualization that has allowed them a success that most people don't and uh, or don't have. And so if you're able to ask the right questions in the right way regarding the right situation, most entrepreneurs are going to be able to then start to reflect on how they're reacting and how they're acting and impacting their organization. And if you can get them understanding how they're impacting their organization in a positive way, absolutely number one. And if you able if they're able to point that out through the proper questions, then when you start to ask the hard questions about the gaps in their business, then they start to reflect inwardly as well. So you have to take them through that exercise. Like it's a, it, it, it's a, it's a deliberate act. Cause we do, we all, I like how you say that, how we, we do not tend to look inward cause we don't. And I don't do humans. I mean, there are other cultures that do it, maybe Japan or. Uh, I think, yeah, I think the Eastern cultures yeah. are much more inwardly looking so, than, than the Western cultures. Right. So do you find with entrepreneurs 
do you ever see yourself saying something like what got you here isn't going to get you to the next step? Or is that a question all all entrepreneurs have to ask themselves when they hit that glass ceiling is, what have I done to get to this step? And is do I have to change in order to get to the next step? So, Gwen, you um, so um, and by, by the way, I try and again, I try and live my life uh, in in my personal, family, friends, and business in the same way. And so, um, for me to say what got you here isn't going to get you where you want to go, I try and I try and rephrase that for them. So, what got you here? Uh, da, 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 da. Do you see that getting you where you want to go in the future? Um, yeah. And if it's yes, then you ask several clarifying questions to where they said, so yeah. Okay. So it's interesting. You're running your business on your own. I don't see an operations manager. Do you have a potential operations manager currently on your team? And they say, ah, yeah, but this guy might, and this guy might, um, so then I'll drill down on those questions to see if if they might or they might not. And if they do, then 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 it's well the natural progression would be for you to give up what you're doing and give more responsibility to this person, correct? And the, and they would say yes. So so the goal is to have them recognize that within their business what are the opportunities for them to delegate to somebody else so that they can elevate outside of that role, which is, by the way, not their strength and is holding them back as a company. So I've got, but I don't tell them that. I just, hey, is this person better at this than you are? Uh, Yeah, he is actually pretty good. Well, it would make sense to maybe give him an opportunity in that area, right? Yes. Well, so what does that look like? And then I'll then they'll, then I, then we'll lay out a plan and say okay what does that look like and then then I, then I'll ask questions to make them come up with a plan that is their plan in the next month what they're going to do to delegate to that person to help elevate them and move them away from that operations part of their job that they're not that good at and by the way a lot of times they don't like so that but it's got to be a smart plan. So that's where the accountability piece comes in. They've developed the plan. I've just asked the questions. And now it's their plan. They've said that they're going to execute on it. And then in the next month, I'll come back and say, how did your plan work out? So it's not my plan. It's their plan. My job is just to say, how'd that work out? So your job isn't necessarily to hold them accountable. Your job is to help make sure they're set up to, let me ask this. Those people that you're talking to, what's the quality about those people that you can generally feel like they will be successful at this kind of change management? Well, there are some that do, and there's some that don't. Yeah. And I prefer to work with the ones that do. And so um, if if the conversations are such that, you know, they're going well, like the one I just kind of highlighted, and they've committed to making a change, uh, and they've committed to helping their people grow, or they've committed, hey, I can't find this person, it's not my organization, so we'll set up a recruiting plan that they'll that they'll come up with, that they'll, in the next month, deliver on, or in the next six months, they're going to deliver on. But it's again, it's their plan, and if they're delivering on that and they're committed to growing, then I have a spot. And if they're not committed to growing, after one or two consultations, I'll just say, you know, there's we're not aligned. What you want 
you you think you want a consultant, but really you're comfortable being where you're at. And that's okay. That's fine. That's right. fine. I'm totally I'm totally good with this. Maybe if nothing else you've helped them identify that eh, you know what? Right. This is this is where I want to be. All right. Uh we're going to take a real quick break again. We're here with Chris Mangan from Paul Davis and I think what we're going to talk about in the next segment is uh mistakes. Mistakes maybe you've seen uh um in your years of management, ownership and um and consulting. So uh anyways, uh, visit our website at anaquim.net to see how Anaquim can help you source incredible labor from Mexico for all your property management needs. From maintenance coordination to customer service, we can help you find your dream team. Check us out at anaquim, A-N-E-Q-U-I-M dot net. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back. This is Bootstrappers. I'm your host, Jeremy Aspen, along with my beautiful, brilliant co-host and wife, <laughs> Gwen Aspen. Uh, I am uh, president of Wistar Group in Omaha, Nebraska, a property management company. Gwen is the president of Anaquim. Um, and our guest today is Chris Mangan, who's president of Paul Davis Restoration in Sioux City and quasi-retiree consultant in this Omaha area. Today we're talking about leadership, and right now we want to get to, uh, I guess, <laughs> you wrote the boneheaded moves small businesses make. Yeah, that's a decent segue and, uh, from moves. what we were talking about before. Well, Chris, you've started a number of companies. And I I mean, just because we're all entrepreneurs, we all have made some boneheaded moves. What, What is a big boneheaded move that you've made in <laughs> your professional or life? Or seen. I don't think Chris has probably <laughs> yeah, ever made. Oh. I was just going to say, I've, I don't have any of those. Well, and if it's you hurry up, happened. we'll get to the segment about uh, where we ask you about politics. Politics, abortion, and gay sex. Oh, God, so just, we want to make sure to get to that. That's what this is all about. Well, so there's a, the, I don't know if there's really boneheaded mistakes. There's, you, you got that 2020 vision that you look back in the past and said, hey, I wish I could have done this differently. I wish I could have done this differently. I wish I knew this at the time. And I would say the thing that um, I, the the one main thing that I wish I knew back when I started that I learned through many many years the hard way is that um, there's a certain person who wants to be told what it what to do and there's other people who don't and the people that want to be told what to do are the doers. And you need to be able to identify the person that wants to be told what to do. And it's okay for them to be told what to do because that's where they are in their life and that's what they're good at. The people who don't want to be told what to do and you start to tell them what to do and then how to do it, that's probably been my biggest failure is because I'm a teller and I that's how I ran my st- my business, my personal life, by the way, which wasn't really all that successful when when I was telling people what to do all the time, and they weren't listening. Dang it! Well, dang! <laughs> Why huh. aren't they listening to me? I have the answers. Well, entrepreneurs are that way, and it's probably the biggest realization uh, in my career that there are people who want to be told what to do, and those are the those are the doers that you know aren't going to be the strong leaders. But you can't run a company without them. You cannot. You can't run a company without them. But so, so if they want to be told what to do, don't try and have them 
tell you what they're going to do. Right. Do, do they people give, it, give them a list. Say what's the list, and say well, you can you can actually work together on coming up with a list. But if they want the list, you've got to help them with that list. And understand that that's okay, and there's a value in that. Do people that like to be told, I'll put that in air quotes, that like to be told what to do, do they identify as people that like to be told what to do? Most of the time, not. Right? No. <laughs> no. 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 The self-awareness so you got to kind of bounce there, around that a, one. And... There's so many times a lack of self-awareness. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it, it, that's when it becomes really interactive. So, so okay. If you don't like to be told what to do, what are you going to do in the next week? What do you decide? What do, tell me what you think you should be doing in the next week? And then they, you know, have kind of a blank stare, uh, or they tell you things that they should be doing that they shouldn't. It's not on their seat, and so uh, your goal then is a, a strong collaboration, working with them together to come up with that list. And I found the so the, to. To, the, to prevent some of the biggest problems in uh, a, a growing small organization that can be corrected is with a um, org, organizational chart that has the three to five top things that is required on that seat. So then, then the, each person you hire or train understands the three to five top priorities that they are required to become very good at to be successful in their job. And if I would have had that 35 years ago, I would have been a lot more successful. So that org chart that you're talking about, I like it too, because traditional org charts have the president's name, the vice president's name, the manager's name. Uh, and it's a lot of names. It's a lot it's of, a lot of it's names. It's all names. <laughs> it's all names. Whereas, and if there's, you have a department like customer service department, you have a seat, which is kind of what I'm trying to get, uh, let our listeners know. Is, so instead of having an entire, you know, every single customer service agent's name, you have a seat. And the seat j- description tells what the job is. It has the three to five KPIs. And, uh, and, and you put their names inside of that box. And... It is. It, I mean, even for me, when I look at an org chart like that, it just makes so much more sense. It's so much less sloppy. Well, it, and you think bringing that to a company is, uh, it helps. Oh, well, visualize. It's transformative it, because transformative. It, because what it does is it creates accountability from the very beginning. If that person knows those three to five things, that if they get done well, they're going to be successful in their job. Then all you do, all you are now, is an accountability coach. Mm-hmm. You're not a you're not a person that has to manage day to day. You're not that manager that's always telling and they're not doing. You're you're helping them become good at the three to five things that they're good at, and then and then it, that's when it becomes fun. And by the way, if they're not becoming good at those three to five things, then the hard part of running a business is. Having them having to find another seat for that person, or moving them to another company. So then, uh, opportunity, and it's, that's kind of what gives the the doers that agency, where you don't have to tell them that they are doers, but you tell them what needs to be done. They decide whether or not to take on those tasks, whether or not to do their job right, and now they have agency in furthering their career. Absolutely. Right? My name is Jeremy Aspen. I'm here with my wife, Gwen Aspen, and uh, we're interviewing Chris Mangan, president of, of Paul Davis Restoration in Sioux City and formerly here in Omaha, Nebraska. 
and uh, having a conversation about leadership. Um, you had, uh, sorry, yeah, I defer to you, my love. <laughs> well, I was just going to ask uh, Chris, uh, one of the main things I see in small businesses is they don't start with the seat. Uh, instead, they start with the person and they're like, well, Julie is good at X, Y, and Z and she holds the seat. Uh. So that's what the seat is good at. And so to to kind of pivot that and say, what do I actually need in the seat? And then does Julie fit is is a little bit more of a sophisticated way to look at an org chart. Because do you see that all the time with small businesses? All the time. All the time. With There's limited so resources. Many seats. There's mm-hmm. so many seats created for the people within the organization. And that's a big... I call them legacy employees because they mm-hmm. they did well in a certain position for the company. They, they showed great loyalty and they really helped the entrepreneur get to where they're at. But that seat isn't is no longer appropriate so many times they look for another seat or they create another seat and it it holds the bat we talked about that glass ceiling of that plateau or the business so many times people wrong people wrong seats or right person wrong seat mm-hmm. you just you haven't you haven't created the right seat or, or you haven't matched up what your vision is for the company with the people and one of my mantras and again i learned this very late in my business career, but it is a mantra that I have, uh, and it's it's almost true 100% of the time. The business either outgrows the employee or the employee outgrows the business. Mm-hmm. It's, it, you know, it's just the way life is. Sure. And so, as an entrepreneur, if I had, a, if I had a known that at 25, uh, I would have made a lot more decisions that would have been best for the company and the growth of the company that would have elevated it on a much quicker, greater trajectory than it did. So that's another lesson. Um, I I could probably get a little bit more specific on some of the stories, um, but I will. Okay. So biggest train wreck, one of my biggest train wrecks, <laughs> yeah, I'll tell, tell you one of my biggest train wrecks. One of my biggest train wrecks is I had one of my most loyal employees who uh, wanted to be general manager. And because he was such a, a, a loyal employee, I thought I could make him general manager. And I knew that he didn't have some of the general manager traits that were required to be successful. And I thought I could train those traits, couldn't train the traits. I thought maybe he could grow into understanding what those traits were, didn't grow into those traits. Along the way, I supported him and supported him and supported him. Guess what happened? Left. The rest of the my employees looked at me as the person who was entitling somebody who didn't deserve the seat. So it mm. didn't reflect poorly on him. Mm. It reflected poorly on me. And I was the fool to my employees, and I didn't even know it. So that's called the Peter Pin- Principle, right? Where you elevate people to their highest level of incompetence? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So This is Jeremy Aster. This is my wife, Gwen. We're with Chris Mangan from Paul Davis. Um, we will be right back after this. All right, welcome back to Bootstrappers. I'm Jeremy Aspen with my wife, Gwen, and uh, we're visiting with Chris Mangan, president of Paul Davis Restoration, retiree from Paul Davis Restoration and consultant. Um, Bootstrappers, uh, our whole objective for this show is to be able to have conversations with uh, successful people, uh, people that have uh, been in business, and parlay that into conversations that help us as business owners uh, enhance our livelihood and make our businesses better. So in 
to that end, talking about making businesses better, you know, about two, what was it, maybe three years ago, we started with, uh, we read Traction. Traction by Gino, uh, God, Gino Wickman, Wickman, Wickman. Wickman. Gino Wickman, and that book transformed my well, life. And it seems, it's a book about meetings, which if there's one thing that sounds any more boring than that, you tell me. But it's it's a book about the structure of a company, essentially. And the cadence, the cadence of how the business moves its core annual objectives forward. So what do you do? So you run into these meetings, I guess one, um, are meetings generally speaking, the companies that you've gone to, are they, are they something that people focus on uh, or, or that they have a structure for, or is that oftentimes something maybe you bring to the table? I would say, um, I, the, well, definitely the format that I, that I use, I bring to the table. Um, the, so many times, Meeting, the word meeting again has has a four letter word connotation in business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're not right. they're not looked Absolutely. upon as positive, and so what makes a meeting poor? And so many times um, there's you know there's three or four things that make a meeting poor. So uh, one is uh, you don't start on time, shows lack of respect for your fellow employees. You don't end on time, which shows a lack of respect for fellow employees. People politic within a meeting, and it's allowed to happen. And they're 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 trying to create um, a, a a situation that benefits them versus benefits the company. And or and politicking ah, in my in my definition of politicking is saying something at two or more times over, so that or saying repeating. Or saying the same thing over in a different way. <laughs> so, uh, so when that starts to happen in a meeting, um, the other people in the meeting start to shut down and turn off because they don't need to hear that. And when they do hear it again, they hear it as a person who's got who's sharing it for some type of self selfish reason. Reason it doesn't become the company. Uh, uh, objective it becomes their objective and so the people in the meeting shut down and that's true with the entrepreneur and the person the owner or the president does it all the time and when that happens the rest of the people just start to shut down the last thing that's i believe is real pollution to a meeting is a presentation Make your presentation a presentation. Don't make it a meeting. Meetings are different than your presentations. So make your presentations your presentations and your meetings your meetings. And meetings generally have only three things that create a successful meeting. If you, and if you can create these three things, you can generally have a successful meeting, whether it's two people, whether it's 100 people. If you, if you hit these three things, generally, you can have a good meeting. And that's start on time, end on time. Discuss real issue and have takeaways or to dos. So that's an all issue. you need. So then, importantly, what is an issue? An issue is anything is literally anything that somebody believes is an issue is an issue. And so, in a meeting, if somebody believes it's an important issue, you put it on the issues list, and it's it's then you discuss it, and then you solve it, and then. If, if you have a regular set time for your meetings and this person keeps bringing up issues that really aren't 
company issues, you would take that offline with that particular person and say, hey, you know, Ooh. we want you to bring up issues when they're company issues. When, they're, when they start to become more personal issues that the rest of the group can't help you with, then it's this isn't the place. Okay. Bring that up with your direct report. But when it's a company issue, oh, uh, Joan keeps showing up late to work. And, okay, that's the issue. Are we sure that's the issue? And and so you would ask, why is that the issue? And she would, well, it's affecting the rest of the team. Have you asked Joan why she's showing up late to work? Well, we haven't. Maybe we should find out why Joan's, oh, ne- okay, so your to-do, this is the to-do. You discussed an issue. You've decided that that's the core issue is Joan showing up late to work. And then, okay, so you're going to have a meeting with her in the next week. That's the to-do to so for that person to have a meeting with Joan and find out why she's late for work. Comes back the next week. He did his to-do. Comes back the next week and says, Joan told me the real reason why she's showing up to work is because she's being bullied. Ooh, there's an issue. She's being bullied. Okay, so what do we do? Now we have a discussion on why are we having bullying in the company and what are we going to do about that? And so we have a real open, honest, candid discussion that is a huge eye-opener for us as leaders in the company going, I had no idea I had a bullying issue in this area of my company. This is crazy. So you would have a really good, candid conversation and – Here's another dynamic that's that I've seen is pollution to a strong team meeting is when the owner is driving the conversation by I and we statements versus asking questions of the other leaders in the organization. And so, uh, you know, my goal in the meeting is to not say anything. My goal is to ask questions. If I can ask the right questions and I've got the right leadership team, they're going to come up with the decisions. And by the way, if you're asking the right questions and you're not getting the right answers from your team, that's an issue for you to solve as a business Mm -hmm. owner because you probably don't have the right leaders in your organization. That is fascinating. Um, This is Bootstrappers. We are Jeremy and Gwen Aspen. And we are with Chris Mangan of Paul Davis Restoration, having a discussion about leadership and specifically meetings. And I had a question. Uh, what, you know, in a lot, you're not supposed to uh, disparage anybody publicly, but sometimes when you're in a meeting, it's very clear that there's one person who's falling short. How do you hit that that key? I don't know that. That good balance of not embarrassing anyone publicly, but still having a candid meeting where, where you're really teasing out the problem. You just embarrass them, don't you? Is that, yeah. that I can yeah. read your mind. Well, that's where I you're call going. Them out mostly, that's that's always worked for me. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I I've had that same issue numerous times in my in my career, and really at the end of the day. If they're part of your leadership team and in that meeting, they're not meeting your expectations, it's an owner issue. And you have to make a hard decision. Do they belong on the team or they don't? And if you coach them up or you coach them out. And the coaching up is offline. Hey, Joe, we had a really strong conversation and it was 
awesome. We really came up with some rich content, and we actually came up with a great plan on how to move forward. How did you feel your role was in that? What role did you play? And he said, well, I thought it was going really good, so I didn't say anything. Mm, well, I see that on a regular basis. Mm. That's probably not the role I want you to play consistently. You're As a leader, you're expected to participate. And mm. if you're not participating, that's a sign that you might not be the right person on the right seat. Maybe. I'm just saying. So let's see, work on that. You take on that leadership challenge and see if you can add value to that meeting. In the next week or two or, or month or two, I want you to challenge yourself to participate in the meeting in a way where your peers feel you're bringing value to the meeting. Mm. And then you can decide, and we'll, have, we'll, we'll meet back in two months. I want you to make note, in two months we'll meet on this date, on August 15th we're going to meet, and I want you to review yourself relative to the value that you bring to the meeting. I like and that. And you decide. Okay, fine. You you're, hired, decide. you're hired. You're hired. You're <laughs> hired. <laughs> but that's no. done offline. It's oh. done offline. Completely behind. Okay. So I don't have to embarrass him in, in the mm -hmm. meeting. By the way, there's numerous times when I'll, I'll call on Joe. Joe, what are your thoughts? Mm -hmm. And Joe, if he stumbles, again, clue for you as an owner, hmm, take that. Put it in your back pocket. If he answers appropriately and you're like, wow, he's just not speaking up. He's got some value. Then you bring that up in your in your private meeting saying, man, you're really adding value. I just don't want to have to pull it out of you. Yeah. I, I don't I, – I, I want you to be more forthcoming because you're adding value to, the, to that meeting. So be – take some pride in it and own that. So real quick, and I know we have to wrap things up, but – a company is fractal, right? So we've got the leadership, but if you drill down, you've got departments. And inside those departments, you might have other departments. As an entrepreneur, you don't need, well, I should ask you, which meetings are you in? Uh, are you in just the leadership meeting? or And then, and then do the other meetings uh, work similarly at the department level where you've got a leader of the department and they're kind of playing the same role you are? That's a great question. So, um, I, the, remember, the three keys to a successful meeting with a, two people or 100 people is start on time, end on time, individual, um, uh, rich discussion relative to a pertinent issue, and takeaways relative to that issue. And if you've got those three things, then you've got a good meeting. And that's required in every department when any department has a meeting. Those are the three things that are required, and you coach on that. And so, no, am I in most of the meetings? I'm not in most of the meetings. But if I've coached the leader who embraces that concept, then I know that those meetings are being rich, and they're moving the needle themselves. So you don't need to be present. As long as those three things are happening in the meetings, you've, you've got a really good chance of success. And that's how you identify that you can pass that on to somebody. Delegation. Delegation. That's it. That's all we can do this week. I, I guess now I wish we'd uh, had two hours uh, to continue the discussion yeah. with Chris Mangan. Thank you, Chris. Bootstrappers is an Anaquim LLC production. Anaquim helps property managers with all their office labor needs with high quality remote labor from Mexico. Visit Anaquim, A-N-E-Q-U-I-M dot net today to see how we can make your property management company more profitable.
This has been Bootstrappers, a unique presentation designed to help you better understand what makes the world turn. Contact Gwen or Jeremy Aspen at hosts at bootstrapper.club. Join us next time on News Talk 1290 KOIL at our website or download the podcast.